Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 200 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Yeehaw! I don't know why I did that. I wish I could take it back, but I'm. Nope. you know what? We're just going to keep plowing ahead. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And Justin, quicker than we made it to episode 100, here we are at episode 200, and we're, we don't have the ability to give it the pomp and circumstance we gave... Uh, episode 100 when we interviewed both chris henderson and dan shulman yeah that was awesome that was pretty dope episode 200 is going to be very unceremonious how do you feel about that and how are you good all right good talk. <laughs> that's a throwback uh yeah no i feel the same it's just kind of like what like i'm ready for the next one like i'm ready for 201 like maybe when we hit 500 I might get a little... Yeah, I mean, 100 is cool. 200 is just like, oh, you did another 100? You're so unique. You're so, you're we so gotta get. I feel like I feel like it's almost more ceremonious at 250 than 100. Why? To me. I don't know. It just seems it's a bigger number. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, just, I don't know. I just associate 250. 200 is kind of just like, it's kind of there. It's like the 22nd birthday where like you have nothing more to achieve and then you get to 25 and you're like yay now i can rent a car but 21 is cool because you can go party in the states then and then 22 is just like the redheaded stepchild basically and that's what, what that's what 200 feels like about it's it's an episode it's not <laughs> yeah. years no but it's just i'm just trying to compare it to something where it's like you're, you're 20, saying it's not a your, respectable benchmark your, your 21st birthday means something your 22nd really doesn't because it's like you didn't you don't you don't graduate into any like I see. Stuff, okay. You know what I mean? Like when you turn 21, you can, you can go to Vegas and have a good time. But when yeah, you turn to, 22, you're like, oh, I guess I can. To be honest with you, the episode numbers don't <laughs> even really matter anymore because we're so regular. Time is an illusion. Time. Well, I don't know about that, but it's just kind of interesting because other Jay's podcasts, I don't think they label themselves with episode numbers. They just have the date. Some of them. Anyway. I don't know. <sighs> I mean, who gives a shit about them? I mean, we're who talking about ourselves. Yeah. And if you like what we do, at BFMD Podcast is a Twitter handle. Go ahead and DM or tweet us your questions, comments, how you feel about our shitty trade proposals, whatever. Whatever you tickles your fancy. Your shitty trade proposals? My shitty trade proposals. That's <laughs> right. I noticed uh, I noticed the BFMD uh, Podcast uh, Twitter handle did not retweet my <laughs> trade offer for Tarek Scoovel. We'll talk about that. I don't know. I didn't see it, so I apologize it's, for that. It's worse than the one that I sent you oh, God, uh, okay. in, in the DMs. So it's bad. But anyway, go ahead and check us out on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I guess there's a bunch of platforms we didn't even know existed that represent a sizable portion yeah. of our listeners. Uh, so shout out to you guys. Shout uh, out. Yeah. Uh, find our website, bfmdpodcast.com, where there is a widget for you to listen to the episode uh, and also send us questions. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode. Go ahead and leave us a review of five stars or less, or less. Uh, depending on how you feel, uh, to help more people find us. I have no idea what we're rated on iTunes, but I, it's got to be at least two stars. I think it's like 4.1, but we have like eight ratings. <laughs> Who, wh- somebody, why is it 4.1? Someone's somebody, tanked, somebody tanked us. Yeah, it's fine. Someone tanked us. I don't even care whatever who cares? they did they yeah. didn't leave a uh, written review attached to it so oh all right whatever they didn't care that much to say maybe we said something about a player and they, they didn't went. want to give us their constructive feedback honestly it wouldn't even matter what our star rating is whether it was uh someone sandbagged it or not i mean it does still... help it does help us reach more of an audience if you have a higher reviews review does score really? and more reviews yeah, so it's like ju- it's like when you shop. Bot reviews, it's like it? when you shop on like Amazon or some shit. Oh, I see. And it's not gonna recommend you the the shitty toothpaste, right? You know, it's gonna do the good stuff. <laughs> 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 we want to be the good stuff, but yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. That's true. Justin, lead us into the news here. We got lots of cool and interesting things yeah. to talk about. Um, take it away. Yeah. So we'll start with uh, Rogers Center upgrades. Uh, Mark Shapiro. Yeah met with media this morning or this afternoon if you live on the east side of the country but uh he he went through a list and of, of things that the jays are going to be doing to the ballpark in the coming years 
Um, it sounds like they're going to be starting immediately this winter, so which is which is pretty cool. Um, but they're going to be doing some renovations to the bleachers, to the bullpen areas. They're actually going to be raising the bullpens up. So the bullpens will be raised to the height of the walls in left and right center. They're not really moving spots at all. They're staying pretty similarly located to where they are. They'll get a little bit further in from the foul lines, I guess, be more in left and right center. But they'll be raised up so that they're actually at the top of the wall, which is pretty cool. The Blue Jays put some images out on their Twitter feed. So as you're listening to this, if you pull those images up, you'll see what I'm talking about. But there's actually going to be a little bit of a a rounded out wall. So instead of being concave all the way around the outfield, it's going to actually have a little piece that curves out into the field of play. So there'll be some different dimensions in Rogers Center. I didn't notice, but in the in the after image, it actually looks like they have George Springer and Raimel Tapia standing in the outfield. You can kind of see Tapia's hair. And they've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. up on the Jumbotron. I didn't actually notice that they had kind of like put the actual players out there, which is kind of neat. Wait, uh, isn't this supposed to happen in like two years? It's starting immediately in this. this they're going to start renovations this offseason. But isn't Tapia only under contract until the end of next year? I think so, but he's playing for the team now, so who cares? Anyway. <laughs> uh, maybe they're gonna sign to a 12-year mega deal who knows yeah. Um, but Rhyme yeah for life <laughs> they'll be adding a lot firm. more um standing like kind of patio areas similar to the center field flight deck in the 100 and 200 level spots there'll be a lot more standing areas which probably means they can hopefully offer cheaper seats i don't know how they're gonna get around that uh yeah, i've i've been to the standing area only section at the rider games and it's it's a blast it's an absolute party um, so I'm hoping that this atmosphere will be a good time as well. And then they're going to, they said they're also going to be replacing all of the seats in the 500 levels as well. So I'm not sure if they're going to be making them a little bit more cozy. Those seats that they're replacing are 33 years they old. They are old. Yes. Think about how many, like, a lot of butts in those seats. A lot of butts in those seats. A lot of, a lot of depressed, uh, Blue Jays beer farts. A lot of dollar dog farts on those seats in the 500 <laughs> level section. Yeah, oh, the, I can we just say, I we're not trying to be gross, but can we just go back, circle back to the Louis dogs for a second? <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm seeing the stats I'm and I'm really I'm really disappointed. It's I like, don't understand why who's so going low. to Dollar Dogs night and not having like a dog an inning. Like who are you? A dog an inning. Like there's they're they're averaging like, the, like they're averaging like one point one dogs per person. Like what's the point? Why that's are you going? The worst I like that's so it, inefficient. It should it should be at least three. Guys, go to the ballpark hungry. Yeah. Take a twenty. If you're if forty thousand people are at the stadium, there should be at least one hundred and twenty thousand hot dogs consumed. That's three that's, per person. I love yeah. That. The bars on the floor. Yeah. One hundred and twenty. That's 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 one every three innings. Oh, it's one an hour. Like that's how can you not? You know what I mean? Like I'd be there eating one an inning. I'm I, I don't even care about the repercussions later. I would I would level yo man, I would drop a twenty on the counter every time I went there, out. I think you're only allowed to get two at a time though. No is what I read. No, there's a cap. I remember looking there it, this was mentioned when you're God, there. Just give me the, a basket of twenty hot dogs. Just, <laughs> no, it's when you go cases. to the counter, I think it caps at eight. Oh, you can buy eight at eight per transaction? I think so. That's but you nothing. can't stand there and do another transaction. You have to. Fuck That's off fine. I would go back. eat my eight and then come back the next inning and get eight more. Like, okay, you don't need to do eight in inning. You'll be dead. Allegedly. You'll <laughs> be dead. Yeah, no, don't do that. But <laughs> yeah. shout out to the Looney Dogs. Uh, do better, fans. Come on. We love you. I know. You, like, eat we more hot dogs, pump please. Those numbers up. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. Anyway, uh, there's going to be a lot of renos coming. Uh, interesting they, they posted some cool renderings of it i like the one where it actually shows it's like basically the behind home plate third base dugout side view of the outfield and they, they've really got the bleachers changed out there in the outfield seats it looks like a cool picturesque picturesque ballpark you know what i mean but yeah no um it's it's, it's interesting to see uh they even talked about some potential upgrades for the infield and that kind of thing too but i didn't read too much into that um i was more curious to see how they're going to be changing the aesthetics of the ballpark but it's cool it's nice to see that there are some meaningful renovations because it doesn't sound like a new stadium is in the immediate plans so making the most of what they have right now is uh is pretty important if i'm not mistaken uh rogers center not only is one of the oldest 
parks yeah uh in the league but it's also when it was built was like very like cutting edge so like does it kind of balance out like is it okay that it's an old ass yeah. stadium now yeah and just you're asking before when this is going to be done uh mitch bannon reported from sports illustrated that uh this is the first portion of a $300 million renovation. It's all privately funded, by the way. It's not good. Public. It's not tax money. Fucking um, good. It says more changes are coming, but all the changes announced today are supposed to be completed and ready for opening day 2023, which is next season. So it's going to be done over the winter. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the park will be empty in October, November, December, January, February. Well, hopefully... March, so the end of october at the earliest no it'll be early october yeah oh my god okay whatever man anyway um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is another tweet from mitch as well it says mark shapiro on the impact of the new raised bullpens at rogers center and moving seats closer to the field he says quote it's going to create a unique opportunity for our fans to encourage our relievers and potentially <laughs> discourage the kindest way you can say it opposing relief pitchers <laughs> Does this so he wants mean them, that he wants he wants us to heck it's like basically having like fans behind the penalty box at hockey games heckle the shit out of them just heckle disgusting them disgusting things yeah tell them that that pisses me off don't um, if you're if you say really tell, they to they we to have like hunter pence signs remember those where it's like hunter pence like those that's like weird shit like just like random not at all like making fun of somebody wears stuff. velcro sneakers yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the kind of stuff that they need to be saying it's like hey man did your mom tie your shoes for you just things like that you know like don't degrade them or use slurs of any kind but just do it in a fun way like dad joke humor essentially yep i if anybody uh if anybody does otherwise they should be banned from the field for agreed life. insta ban uh, All right. Be nice to players. That's, they work uh, really hard to get where they are. But does this mean the bullpen will no longer be caged, which means Jordan Romano is free to roam? <laughs> Jordan Romano is going to be prowling around looking for blood in full view of everybody. It's going to be great. I know, but if he's not caged, he's just going to run out of the field. He's just going to be like, he he's going to jump over the wall, which looks like it's going to be about like 10 feet high in those sections. Yeah, I don't know. Like he's going to be like a. I assuming based on his behavior in the bullpen now that he's it's, it'll be like a wild animal. No, they need to do. They need to get Romano one of those like little drum kits that he can play on, so he can just sit there and just like beat the shit out of something for like the first eight innings. No, I think they just need to put him in a fucking cage. It's <laughs> his turn to pitch. The cage match. Just like a, just like a really scary like no you know, be, like a uh, shark cage. You know what would be cool if when he starts warming up, if they like lower a cage from the rafters over top of the bullpen. And then, like, lift it up as he comes onto the field. That cool. seems really excessive and <laughs> potentially very dangerous. It could kill nah. our entire bullpen. Nah, if worth it. If it malfunctions. Worth it. I anyway. would say, I will say, it, wouldn't it be better if the cage came, like, kind of like uh, pro wrestling when it has cages, like, some, like uh, come from, like, the bottom up so that way nobody could get hurt? So he's just, like, standing there. The, Patrick, the danger, stand? the danger is half the fun. No, but listen, all right, this is my idea for Jordan Romano, like, gimmicks. Okay, so the entire game, Jordan Romano stands on top of a mound in the bullpen, unblinking, standing straight, facing home plate, not moving, just breathing in and out, same look on his face, like, vacant, animalistic stare, yeah. uh, and then come the bottom of, like, the eighth inning or top of the eighth, whatever, uh, a, a cage comes up over him, while he warms up and then when it's time for him to come out for the ninth uh i guess it would be the top of the ninth at home uh they play their his like theme song and all that other shit yeah the, or the whole stadium goes red and they're just they just sure yeah. i like it so and then there's just a really loud announcement that's that just says uh it's mario going mamma mia and then he comes into the, <laughs> the game all right, sure. I'm, I'm really excited I'm for the baseball classic, by the way. Lots of players are starting to commit, and yeah. I'm, I'm here for Jordan Romano representing Italy. Oh, yeah, That's for so sure. cool. It's so great. I'm excited for that. Um, Freddie Freeman said he'll play for Canada again. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, the Cardinals yeah. outfielder, said he'll play for Canada. Yep. And he said that he would play for Canada every chance he gets is what his quote was. So. Fuck yeah. Love that. Where do you think Vladdy's going to play? Dominican Republic. 
hundred percent. I know it's there's an no, ice cold take. There's, there's no, a zero percent chance he plays for Team Canada unless some like prodigy from the Dominican Republic comes and there's like literally no space for him, but that's not going to happen because he's Vladigro Jr. So. No, there's zero chance that he would ever represent yeah. Canada. They should just have a team of all of Vlad Guerrero Sr.'s kids for the entire <laughs> Dominican roster. That team would probably still get like a top three. They, they just, just Guerrero Jr., Jr., Jr. Third, I don't know. It's all just Guerreros everywhere. Didn't, didn't we sign another Guerrero? Aren't there other uh, Guerreros? There are other there? Guerreros, but I don't think I think their signing period is next year, maybe. I'm not sure. There's, there are, there are a bunch of them. He has like 25 kids. He's like Travis Henry, basically, if you know that. Or, <laughs> right. anyways, <laughs> let's get into your stupid trade offers, Patrick. Oh, tell me, man. tell me about them. I'm so excited. All right, so here's the thing: the trade deadline is coming up. Everybody knows this. We've heard all the the crap about Juan Soto and uh, having to trade for players who are vaccinated or not vaccinated, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a couple of ideas I wanted to throw out there, uh, as alternatives to like the, the common names we've been attached to like Soto and, and, uh, Luis Castillo in Cincinnati. So keep in mind, this is all just for stupid ass stuff for fun. And I've already said a million times. I really like Luis Castillo. I've been saying it since like 2017 yeah um so i'm a fan of him but that being said i think we need to get more bang for our buck and i think we can do so with other trades namely trades with the detroit tigers who we play this weekend uh and there's one player well two players and three players actually that interest me number one is Tarek scoobal i don't know how much you know about Tarek scoobal but he's having a fantastic season for the Detroit Tigers, despite the fact that they are one of the worst teams in MLB. Uh, what do you know about Tarek Skubal? I know that he pitched against us once at Comerica this year and did a really good job. He did indeed. He's 25 years old, and he comes. He would come to us with five years of control. Mm-hmm. His percentile rankings are very impressive. Yep. Uh, his fastball and curveball spins are not that great. Uh, he's seen a little bit of... Uh, uh, an improvement in his last 100 PAs in his performance against uh, hitters. But, uh, yeah, he's got all the makings of an excellent starting pitcher who would really help to bolster, uh, you know, our, our top five starters. Uh, he's got a fastball, averages about 94, a slider, 89, uh, an 84-mile-an-hour changeup, and a 77-mile-an-hour curve. So stuff that's kind of similar to, to strips. Okay. I think all four of those pitches are the exact same. Well, if he throws a uh, four-seamer and a two-seamer, that's in his fastball. It combines them. But, yeah. I didn't know he threw a two-seamer. Yeah, he's got sinker, which is a two-seamer. Okay. It's just the other word for it. So he's a five-pitch pitcher. Yeah. Although, I don't think he throws a lot of curveballs. No. I think he throws more of the others. He throws a slider than most of any pitch, actually. Yes, uh, followed by the four-seamer, and then the sinker, and then the change-up, and then the curve. It's nice, though. I love five-pitch pitchers because it gives them more to work with. Sure. Uh, his his change-up is a very effective pitch. Uh, he gets 46.3% whiff percentage off of his change-up. Very <laughs> similar to strips. Um, I like this guy. I remember we had a conversation about him off mic long long time ago at the beginning of the year about how he was a uh, a very strong uh prospect slash very young like uh player for the for the tigers i think he's only in his third season if i'm not mistaken possibly his second full season and um let me tell you he apparently started in 2020 but he only pitched in eight games that year yeah uh um, so second full year this year you're right yeah, so um, I like him a lot. And if he allegedly he's available, he's a big boy too. He fits right in there with the other Juicy <laughs> Boys. 6'3", 240. He's a tank of a human. Lefty. Yep. That's right, throws we left. Like that. We like he, that. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got all the hallmarks of a pitcher that not only would I love, that you would love too, and that the Blue Jays would love because he, he kind of fits into the model of 
of uh, a lot of their a lot of their players, and he's having a career year. Yeah, he's having a great year. It, it almost begs the question why they're willing to trade him, but uh, I guess because the returns that will maybe never be higher for him because this he's having such a good year and he's got so much control that now is the time to shop him if they can get an offer that they think is fair, you know? That's absolutely true. Uh, there are two other players on the Tigers I want to talk about in our fancy schmancy okay. uh, package so we're going to put together. What are you? Who else is that in, in this package? Gregory Soto. Uh, Ooh. Yes. Uh, he is the left-handed reliever slash closer for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, his metrics, not that great. He doesn't really get as many chases. He does walk a lot. He does get hit very hard. Uh, however, he's got a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, an 89-mile-an-hour slider, and a 92-mile-an-hour changeup. And I think if he worked with Pete Walker uh, or whoever the pitching coach will be in the future, uh, one way or the other, I think that he, he he's malleable because he's so young. Uh, I think they could work their way into to something with, uh, with this, uh, this young man. He's only played... Uh, he's only appeared in 157 games in his career. Uh, only started seven and, and none any time recently. Uh, he's basically a closer. I think he would complement Jordan Romano quite well because he is a lefty. Romano is a righty. Uh, gives us situational advantages when mm-hmm. it comes to closing. Uh, his exit velocity is among the worst in baseball. His hard hit is in the 17th percentile, which is really, really bad. And his walk percentage is 18. But we have demonstrated as an organization the capability of helping pitchers improve their walk rates. So I'm not worried about that. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, again, he's under team control for at least two years, I think. I'll find that for you. While you're doing that, uh, I'll just go over his repertoire. Like I said, four he's seasons. a free agent after the 2025 season, so he's got three more three years, years of team control. control. Yeah. Uh, he is a fastball, sinker, slider, and changeup. So he does have the sinker. It gets, I guess, it gets dropped into fastball. I don't know why the savant does weird. It's a two. It's a two seam fastball, so it, it just combines okay. them. Whatever. Anyway, so uh, his slider and his changeup uh, are. Not his best pitches. It's his sinker and four seamer. But there's there's ways they might be able to sort of craft some really interesting dynamics between him and Romano. They both throw really hard fastballs. Yeah. Uh, Romano loves his slider, even if it's not the best. But this guy comes with a changeup, and you could have a lot of fun with that. A four seamer and a changeup, especially when your four seamer is that good. Add in a quality. Uh, a quality changeup to this uh, young man's repertoire. I think Gregory Soto would be an excellent reliever, if not yeah. uh, closer. He has been an all-star the last two seasons. Um, yep. He'll fetch a, a, a high price as well. Yeah. If he's available, which I think he might be. I'm not 100% sure. The third player is 27-year-old Austin Meadows. I think he has two years of control left. Uh, he has not appeared in very many games this year. Uh, only 147 plate appearances, but he's hitting 250 with an OBP of 347 and a slug of 326. So good for a 675 OPS. Mm-hmm. Nothing to write home about. The power's not there, but we're seeing improvements uh, in his contact. He does uh, tend, he's a left handed bat, so he does tend to pull. So a lot of stuff goes into right field, uh, right center. Um,. I, I don't. He doesn't steal bases, uh, or he hasn't this year. But he has in the past. I think he is the Corey Dickerson of this year, and I think he wouldn't cost us very much, even though he has team control. Uh, he actually does have decent wheels, so there could be some opportunity for yeah. quality base running, and I think he would be a pretty easy replacement for uh, Bradley Zimmer who struggled all season at the plate. Right. Uh, so with that being said, those of those three players, does, do any of those players kind of... Do they interest you at all? Do you see potential there? 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I do like Scooball and Soto. Uh, Meadows, if he can get back to the level that he was playing at in Tampa, like he's had some injuries. This he's had a concussion, he's had COVID, yeah. and he's he's actually on the IL with a 15 day strain to his Achilles right now. Yeah. Um. He says he's, he's he could be back anytime by the sounds of it. Uh. But yeah, it's hard to say. Like, he bats left, which is nice, like you said. So it's it'd be good to have a left-handed. He just hitter. he might be an interesting throw-in since the team seems to be very resistant on calling. Yeah, up, and the fact uh, that he can play Lucas corner outfield or, is, is or nice. anybody else to replace Zimmer. That's what I was thinking. For sure, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting thought. Um, a, a guy to include in there to potentially, I mean, like lower the total value of the trade, I guess, because. I could see Meadows being kind of like the guy that you would take off their hands. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so they can get somebody else on their roster, perhaps. Yep. Uh, so that being said, this package that we're putting together here is going to be quite expensive. Yeah. Scoble is one of the best available pitchers. Uh, Gregory Soto is one of the best available relievers. So it's going to ask a lot. Yeah, um, what are you giving up? Here we go. Are you ready for this? Here, here comes the cold water. Yep. The number one prospect in baseball right now is Gabriel Moreno. We have a dearth of catching depth. Uh, Moreno can't sit in the minors forever. One of the three has to get traded. Moreno has the highest value out of any of the three of them. I think he has to be involved in this trade. And that's really unfortunate. I'm sure Jays fans would love to see a lot of Moreno. It's not going to happen, I don't think. I think he's the odd man out. What do Interesting. you think? Uh, sure, <laughs> if you think so. It's your it's your segment. That's true. Uh, the second piece I think is going to have to be another top five from us. Uh, take your pick between Otto Lopez and or Relvis Martinez. Um, they both have upsides in different ways. Orelvis has had some issues with contact. But the power has been overwhelming He's this had year. a lot of issues with defense, too. Yeah. Um, but he's one of those guys who has a very low floor, but a very high ceiling. Could go it either way. Uh, so a little bit of a, a gamble. Uh, Lopez, I think, is more likely to be a consistently good player. Um, but I think the th- another piece that it's going to require is a starting pitcher prospect coming back. And while I think you do kind of got to hold on to Ricky Tiedemann, I think it's going to be Sam Roberts, who has had a great season so far. And I think he's demonstrating that he is uh, in that upward trajectory uh, of, you know, going through all the different ranks of the minor league system. And we, I think we touched on him earlier in in this season. Uh, a couple times actually and we may yet when we do a prospect report if he doesn't get dealt but I think he's one guy uh, who might be on the block the uh, same with Adam Kloffenstein he's very high risk though he's struggled quite a bit in the minor league systems but he has lots of upside that could be interesting and I think you got to throw back uh, a starting pitcher who has the capability of eating innings for the rest of the year so they'll have to take a guy like Casey Lawrence or somebody else in the AAA system to replace Scooble, which is very unfortunate for fans of the Tigers. But again, you're getting the number one prospect in baseball, and that doesn't happen very often. So it's going to be something, I would say it would be something like that. What do you think? Is my patch, package too light, or is it good enough? When you were when you were doing this, did you use like any of those trade nope. sites? Well, I'm I'm on one right now. <laughs> All right, tell me how bad and it is. You you are overpaying by an incredible amount according to really? baseballtradevalues.com. Tell me more. They have so in terms of their trade values, they have Scoople at 48.5, Soto at 11, and Meadows at negative 1.7. That's a total trade value for the on the Tiger side of 57.8. Interesting. Moreno by himself is worth 69.9, <laughs> which is more than those three players according to this website now this website is not like a realistic thing i don't believe 
Um, so yeah, they actually have, I have Lopez, Moreno, and Robert on the Blue Jays side, and they said this trade would not be accepted. Or, uh, if, sorry, I, I had Martinez in instead of Lopez, and they said not accepted. I put Lopez in instead of Martinez or Elvis, and it says major overpay. So. Take out Robert's then. What does it say? Uh, okay, one sec. I'll do that. Still a major overpay. It's 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 looking at the total trade value. The the on the J side with Lopez and Moreno, it's at seventy five point nine. The Tigers are only at fifty seven point eight. So it's it's saying that the the values are not close because Moreno is worth, according to this website, more than all three of the Tigers players combined. Interesting. Well, it's a good thing I'm not a GM because I would yeah. have majorly overpaid. For you would those have players, just overpaid for those players. But it says said, it says that trade still may be accepted if it fits both teams' needs. I Which... think it does for the Jays. <laughs> yeah, and a but... major overpay is probably where we're headed anyway for any trades for any pitchers. Yeah, and, and we know that the the pitching market is slim for one of two reasons: is that teams want a lot in return, and the Jays have to trade for somebody who's vaccinated. So that's the other thing that's going to put a wrinkle in this plan. So you've 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 made your trades for Scoobal and Soto. Who else do you got? Carlos Rodon is Ooh, the one the that I'd be interested in. Now, here's the thing. There's been talk online both ways that Rodon is both available and not available. <laughs> Part of the problem with dealing for Carlos Rodon is he has a player opt-out for his yeah. two-year contract. $22 million if he takes it for next year. So it might be a three-month rental. Which means his value is way lower yeah. than it would be for Castillo or even Scubalite, I would I would argue. Yeah, much lower, yes. Rodon you might be able to get for just a top 10 pro- pitching prospect in your pool. So I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not just trying to prospect hug Ricky Tiedemann, but I think you could get Carlos Rodon for probably Sam Roberts. And I don't know who what other... Pro- pitchers we've got in the top 10 in our system anymore i haven't checked since the draft i don't think we trade anybody from the draft but um who else we got i don't know there's not many left we've had so many graduations and trades but i think he could be gotten for a pitching prospect because he is probably gonna opt out uh, his deal is just so favorable to him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's, and he he's would, having a good year too. So I mean, if, if I'm Carlos Rodon uh, and I'm currently 29 years old, I'm having the year of my, like one of the best years of my career right now. I would opt out. After a good season the la- last year as well with the White Sox, right? Like he had a great season he was for 4.9 war last year and he's already at 3.7 this year i'm trying to secure that bag because i turn i turned 30 in december and he's about the same age as what gosman robbie ray were when they just signed their lawn deals this past off season for five years that's the kind of deal that i'm looking for if i'm carlos rodon is a very similar deal to that somewhere in that five year 110 120 million dollar range where you're getting uh, 25-ish this season. And he's getting about 22 right now, so that's probably what he's going to shoot for. Somewhere in that 20 to 25 per year, four or five-year deal. A Hyunjin Ryu deal like of, of four by 20 would be too low for this guy because he's younger and better. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting. I think he could be convinced pretty easily the same way Barrios was. Um, but again, you're going to hear the same stuff from both of these fan bases carlos rodon is objectively a better pitcher than barrios and you paid for you paid a top 10 prospect and a top 100 prospect so you're gonna have to pay more to get him but this is stupid it's just it's dumb because the brios argument though is he still had a couple years of control though whereas exactly rodon does not not. you have nothing with him you're gonna get three months of great pitching from him and if you miss the playoffs then you're it's worthless yeah so he's not I, I would be okay if the Jays passed on him, even if it meant he goes to a, a division rival, if it means not having to overpay for him. 
And he might not even be available. Maybe the, the Giants go on a, a run. Or maybe they decide they just want to hold on and see what happens. Maybe Rodon just sure. wants to stay in San Francisco. We have no idea. Yeah. That's why all of this is speculation. But those would be my ads. So we are getting a reliever. We're getting two starters. That would immediately bump Ross Stripling back into the pen as the bulk guy, which really bolsters our pen. It really adds a lot of depth to the pen. We'd have Meza and Soto out of the pen, and then Simber, Garcia, and Romano as well. So that's five guys who I would, six guys in the pen I would trust quite a bit. Right. And then that means that some of the riffraff gets optioned down. Sure. What do you think? No, I mean, if you can pull it off, go for it. But I don't know if it's it's realistic. We'll I think the Scooble trade is pretty fair, but for the Tigers, yeah, according to this website. Yeah. But, um, trade deadline is I think on the second or something. Next that was, Tuesday. I thought it was the thirty-first, but it's nope. it's not. Yeah, I believe it's on Tuesday. Well, we saw earlier today that Andrew Benintendi, or last night, Andrew Benintendi was traded from the Royals to the New York Yankees. Benintendi's still not vaccinated and still not sure he's willing to commit to getting vaccinated. So it won't really matter to Jays fans because we're not going to see him unless we play in Yankee Stadium again this year. Uh, so whatever, who cares? We probably weren't in the market for Benintendi anyway. It was really dumb when he said that he might be willing to get the uh the vaccination depending yeah. on what team he gets traded it just goes to show he didn't give a shit about the royals or his teammates and i don't think i'd want that kind of player on the jays anyway so power to him it'll be interesting i think things are going to ratchet up in excitement probably by friday and i wouldn't be surprised if the jays are done dealing by like saturday afternoon yeah we'll see we'll see if there's some some moves to be made all right. Um, so this morning, I saw I saw some tweets talking about how Kevin Gosman has been bad, and I took I took that personally. So I did I did some diving. Some of you may have already seen the thread on Twitter by the time I get to this. Uh, I had a few few responses too, which I'll go through here too. But I wrote a thread about Kevin Gosman. So. Uh, I'll, I'll just read it kind of verbatim here. Kevin Gosman, Patrick, has a 2.07 FIP and an XFIP of 277 this season. Last year, those numbers were 3.0 and 2.28, respectively. The difference between the last couple of years, right now it's BABIP, big time. This year, his BABIP, which is the batting average on balls in play, is 385. Last season, it was 274. Big league average is about 310, 315. What gives? Well, he's allowing fewer walks this year, fewer home runs, and his batted ball profile, so the terms like hard contact, soft contact, line drives, all that stuff is pretty much identical. It's just some minor like single percentage points of difference. So what's what's the change here, Patrick? Well, the Blue Jays this year, they shift the most in Major League Baseball. 56.1% of plate appearances, the, the Jays have some sort of shift in place. Mm-hmm. Against right-handed batters, they shift the most in baseball at 53%. It's actually, they're actually 11th against left-handed, pitcher, or left-handed batters at 60.7%. But they don't see as many lefties as they do righties. There's a lot of big right-handed power bats, like the Judges, the Stantons, you know? The Bogarts of the world in the AL East. Kevin Gosman splits... Versus right-handed batters, Patrick, he's allowing a 306 batting average and a 773 OPS overall. That's really bad. Against lefties, it's 256 and a 652 OPS. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, against him, right-handed batters are hitting 395 on the four-seam fastball <laughs> with an expected batting average of 327. Uh-oh. That's still a high number, but 70 points of difference means that there's been some balls that have been in play that probably shouldn't have been hits. Right-handed batters are also Patrick hitting 357 against his slider, with an XBA of 349. That's more accurate to me. Nothing. There's not. That's not a very big difference. Yeah. Lefties, on the other hand, are hitting 316 against his four-seamer, with an ex- expected batting average of 314. Very close. No, mu- not much difference. 
And there's only seven batted ball events for lefties against this slider, but they're hitting 429 off it with an expected batting average of 294. So nothing is significant to look at there. So the first thing is that I can say that, yeah, his fastball, it's been getting hit hard this year, just in general. Like even if those expected batting averages were the, were the actual, they're all over 300. You can't live as a starting pitcher with a fastball that's getting tagged at that high of a batting average. One other big difference that I noticed between Gosman of 2021 and Gosman of this year, obviously he played on a different team last year. Last year, the Giants, who he played for, shifted only 25.1% of the time. That was good for 23rd in baseball. Uh, at the same time, the Blue Jays last year were actually at 25%, right behind the Giants and at 23rd or 24th in baseball. So they've more than doubled their shift percentage this year. As I mentioned, they're at 53%. They, they shift 56.1% uh, of the time now, the most in baseball. The Giants this year are only up to 32.9, so they've only increased it by about 7.5%, which is good for 18th in baseball. Uh, when Gosman pitches, StatCast on Baseball Savant actually has the details of individual player shift numbers. So when Gosman pitches, the Blue Jays shift 51.7% of the time. Last year, the Giants only shifted in 31.4% of the plate appearances against Gosman. The biggest difference in those shifts, Patrick, last year against left-handed pit, left-handed batters, the Giants, when Gosman was pitching, shifted about 59% of the time. Against right-handed batters, they shifted only 4.4% of the time. Wow. So the Blue Jays, like I said, they're shifting, <laughs> they're shifting more this year, but they're also shifting Gosman differently than they did last year in San Francisco. So the Giants last year were at 59% against left-handed batters. The Jays are at about 61. Not a big difference. And the lefties, as we saw, like they're hitting as, as expected. Right-handed batters, though, it's up to 44.4% this year. That's 40% more than the Giants did last year. Now, I'm not saying that the Blue Jays are wrong to shift this much overall because I am actually a, a big fan of the shift, as I we know from data that it does take away more hits than it saves overall but some pitchers are different um, and we've maybe been seeing it in recent games where Gosman hasn't been giving up as many hits but I'd love to see the Jays cut the shift percentage against right-handed batters over the next month closer to what it was last year for Gosman just to see if that does help him give up less less base hits now really the shift is designed to take away hard hit contact that's why you stick that second baseman out in right field against power hitting left-handed batters because he might be able to get those harder hit ground balls that would normally get past him. But I'm curious to know, like, obviously I'm not, I don't work for a baseball team. I don't analyze these stats for a living in, in an office at Rogers center somewhere, but you would think that the blue Jays would know or be aware of this because it only took me a couple of hours this morning of research on Statcast and on Fangrass and on other sites to find this data and see this bit of a pattern and the difference between Gosman as a Giant and Gosman as a Blue Jay. Now, this isn't Baltimore Gosman, where he wasn't really throwing the splitter that much. This is the same Kevin Gosman, who's a fastball splitter slider guy. He hasn't changed his pitch mix really at all. And he's seeing completely different results in terms of his batted ball luck if you want to call it that, versus last year. Now, Can I make <laughs> yeah. a stupid observation? Make a stupid observation. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, obviously uh, you could say that the Jays are over-shifting with Gossman, and obviously uh, it would be to their benefit to stop shifting when it comes to Gossman. But he's also, like, the batted ball luck is also a factor. Yeah. But also... How much of this is the manager's choice in the moment while the game is being played not to shift? Like, who makes the call to shift? It's it, the manager, isn't it? Well, I'm not I'm not 100% certain on that. Uh, it, it'd be whoever is in charge of instructing the infield. Would it not have been Charlie Montoya? I believe Luis Rivera is the infield coach. I'm not sure how much. I, I, if you're trying to make this about Charlie, I don't no. know. If that's correct or not, he would he would definitely have some input, as when the coaches 
would meet to do their advanced scouting for a series or for individual hitters, they would look at things like this. Okay, let me let me so come at it from a different the, angle. The manager would definitely have some input, though, is, is to answer your I'll, question. I'll come at it from a different angle. Would you say it's fair to say that the coaching staff of the Jays this season has displayed a certain amount of stubbornness when it comes to leaving players in when they should be out of the game, uh, trying to run relievers too long, and maybe trying to overcompensate for bad defense by playing into the shift more than you would? Do you think these are fair statements? Possible state, possible, probable? Yeah, possible for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. To, it's it's honestly like without being in those rooms, we don't we don't know. But but we are able yes. to make these observations, right? Because we we watch most games, all or part of them. We see the stats as we're preparing to do what we do on this ep- on these episodes. And and we probably spend a lot more time than, than the average person looking at them, as evidenced by my two hours I spent doing this this morning before I started work. Yeah, I do want to clarify. Uh, I'm not blaming Charlie Montoya. No, no, I, I understand. Over, overuse that, yeah. of the shift, and uh, like I'm, I'm not gonna. It's an organizational thing. Like the Blue Jays have it obviously is. made a decision this year to go from being middle of the pack in baseball to being the team that shifts the most, and. But I feel like it's burned us more often than and, it has and these, helped us. And just by the way, these these shift metrics on on fan are on Savant. They're classified as where there are three pitchers on one side of second base. So it doesn't mean that the second baseman is standing almost behind the bag, but still on his side. It means that there's like three infielders on one side of second base. So it's like a, these are these are extreme shift numbers. This isn't just like you moved him a couple feet. So. How do you feel about that. the shift get potentially getting banned? Are you for it or against it? I I don't want to see a, a total ban. Um, I would I would like to see it maybe restricted a little bit. They're starting to do some tests in the minor leagues where they've actually got like a little. It's almost like the trapezoid behind the behind the net in hockey where they've got like a little a little triangle. Yeah, behind little second zones base. That they, yeah, they can't like. Where they the can't stand can't, before yeah. the pitch is thrown. They can move in there as the ball is as the pitch is being thrown, but they can't start there. I, I think that's that's probably the best way to combat it. But overall, I mean, I I don't want to see an outright ban on it because it is a strategy. It's it's something that teams have adapted to over the years to take away these cheap base hits from from guys who don't have the ability or are aren't able to shoot the ball the other way and i mean we see we see the blue jays do this well like alejandro kirk and boba shed are able to go the other way a lot um santiago espinal teoscar vladi they all use all parts of the field but you see the guys like the marcus samines from last year and the danny jansons who are just dead pull hitters and the kevin biggios of the world those are the guys who really the shift hurts the most and that's just because the, the the type of hitter they've chosen to be is dead pull and that's their choice I'm not saying it's easy, and it's definitely not easy to take a 98 mile an hour fastball the other way. That's hitting a baseball is already the hardest thing to do in professional sports, and one of the hardest things to do in in, in humanity. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't. I'm, it's not. It's not easy to go the other way. But no, I, I the, if they ban the shift outright, that would be a huge mistake. But I would like to see some sort of governance of how it can be employed, just to see what the results would be. I'd love to see just some comparisons from a year with a restricted shift versus what we have now just to see if the data actually would, would change that much. And then they could always make a decision to revert it or to keep it in place. Interesting. I hope that I they, dis- I, I hope that they try it at the minor league level first. I would love to see AAA be the Guinea pig as it is the closest thing to major league baseball in North America. Uh, I would love to see that level of baseball be used for some sort of shift test before it just gets debuted in the big leagues like they're talking about potentially having something for next year and without having serious testing over a full season of minor league games i don't know if that's the best idea personally i want robo umps i want a pitch clock and i want 
some sort of middle ground between the ship being banned and the ship being left alone. Something like restrictions on the ship. Like having four guys in the outfield is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And I... again, let's make one other thing abundantly clear. There is no rule against any player just bunting against the shift and taking the base. No, you're right. And nobody does it. It's one of the stupidest things <laughs> in existence. Like, I would drop a bunt. If if I was played up against a shift, I'd bunt every time. Make them, like, force them to try to get the out and just, like, just drop a bunt. But the art of the bunt has been murdered by power hitting in the last 30 years. Right. Bring back the bunt. Yeah. <laughs> Give me bunt. Yeah, like, I don't, I, I don't care who it is. I want to see... I don't care if it was Alejandro Kirk. I want to see somebody bunt against the shift. Yeah. Just just to wrap up the the Gosman stuff here too. A few people replied, and thanks to people who took the time to, to read my ranting and, and respond to it. And it seems like the one of the general consensus was, yeah, he, this is all true, but his he's just getting hit harder this year than he was last year, which which I totally agree. Like his he's overall he's just getting smacked around on the, especially on the fastball. So that that leads me to believe it's a location thing for the most part. Um, so that that is a big part of it. But overall, like I don't think you'd see this big of a a, a change in the numbers if the stuff in my thread wasn't true about the overshifting and and that sort of thing. So generally, my consensus that I drew from this was that the Blue Jays should just keep doing what they're doing against left-handed batters with Gosman on the mound and and just chill a little bit on the right-handed shifting. That's that's what my conclusion was, but yeah, I thought it was just an interesting thing that I did some diving into that this morning. It's, it's been a long time since I've done a lot of like deep diving on this episode on these episodes, so I think, figured it was time. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was good. A lot of information, a lot of a lot of stat barfing, but, yeah. but at the same time, it gives you more context as far as what's going on with. Uh, yeah presumably one of the guys who's going to be our number one or number two pitcher for the next. At least six more seasons. So there you go. Yep. Well, uh, I thought that was something else to, to take a look at. But anyways, let's get back to the content. Short segment. Uh, a lot of people have been saying, hey, why don't we qualify Ross Stripling? No. No. We're not going to do that. No. Here's the reason why. Right now, Ross Stripling is making $3.79 million at age 32. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. We're not going to more than quintuple his salary for the sake of retaining his services for another yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Elsewise, receive a comp pick. Yeah, a qualifying offer for people who don't know is usually worth somewhere between eighteen and nineteen million. Yeah. I see no. for one season. I look. We are ardent fans. We love Ross Stripling. We love strips. Thanks for coming on the show, uh, but. You don't throw $19 million for one season at one guy just because you don't want him to sign anywhere else. Either Strips is going to stick around, he's going to sign another contract, or he's not. We're not going to qualify him. They're not going to expend that much money and resources to hold on to one guy for one season. It doesn't make any sense. So qualifying offer to Ross Stripling probably isn't on the table. Hmm. That being said, I'm sure that management is probably already courting him, asking to see what he is interested in doing, whether he wants to stay in Toronto or if perhaps uh, he wants to go pitch somewhere else. Maybe it's in his home state of Texas. Maybe it's back on the West Coast in uh, Los Angeles. It's hard to say. We can't re- we can only speculate right now. But yeah. One of the good things we know about Stripling is he's vaccinated, so that helps us determine if we want him back or not <laughs> or can That's true. Him, vaccination so. status matt it should matter to every team as of now it's important for the blue jays whether that rule stays in place we don't know the difference is that rather than other teams miss out on anywhere between two and ten games from their player the, <laughs> It'd be the, 81 games. the blue jays <laughs> would miss 81 games because the player wouldn't be able to cross the canadian american border to go into america so well or to go into canada if they sign an american they wouldn't be able to come here 
Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, the Jays are a Canadian team that plays yeah. in Canada. Yes. So we're talking about eight, missing 81 games all on the road because mm-hmm. of an unwillingness to get the vaccination. So we're not going to sign any player who doesn't get vaccinated. It's just, that's just it. Yep. People think that it's uh, virtue signaling and things like that. You really need to just go look up the laws, read it for yourself. Uh, and while you're at it, just go get vaccinated. The end. Um, I don't. That has nothing to do with Ross Stripling either. Uh, the fact is he's having a great year for us. Uh, his ERA is floating in around three, which is terrific. He can pitch out of the pen. He can pitch as a starter. He's probably going to remain a starter for the rest of the year unless we trade to get more than one starter. And he has great stuff. Very deceptive changeup. Um, ever since he changed his delivery, it's changed the trajectory of his career easily. Uh, do you think we re-sign him? Uh, I would like to see them try at least. Yeah. Like you said, it really depends on, on what he's feeling. But I think that... Uh, the team is definitely going to have interest, especially based on how he's been pitching this season. So it, they'd be dumb not to at least offer him something. He'll turn 33 years old uh, before the next season. In fact, he'll turn 33 in 110 days. Yeah. So at 33, just reaching your peak, he doesn't strike me. He strikes me as a pitcher that will pitch well into his 30s, but he doesn't strike me as a pitcher who you would invest, you know, $15 million. I, I can see him getting like a two or three year deal max somewhere. Three year, 30 million, like absolute maximum. That might even be high, but that might even be really high. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, but anyway, it's, would he be willing to stick around in Toronto? You'd have to ask him yourself. As long as he can make it through these next three months or next two months, I guess it's almost August already and stay healthy and keep pitching near the level he's at now. He's definitely going to earn himself a nice raise. So, all the and best. He's, he's, he's earned every cent. He's earned every bit of it. Yeah. But we're not him. qualifying him. No. So that he's not worth nineteen that. million dollars next year. No chance. No. Let's uh, talk about the results uh, yeah. right quick. Justin, we split the series like we said we would against St. Louis. Uh, we put a whooping on uh, the cards in the first game, and then the second game we got whooped on by Adam Wainwright in an absolute gem of a performance as well as a Pujols home run that went 439 feet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was a bomb. It was a bomb. It was a thing of beauty. Any thoughts, feelings about this one? No, I mean, it's so cool to see a 40-year-old pitcher, not a Wainwright, just dominating. Um, been yeah. doing it for so long. It's too bad that Molina was on the IL. Man, I would have loved to see Yachty nice one see more time. Him one last time as well, too, but... No, shout out to Albert. Shout out to the fans for giving Albert a good reception both nights. Two, yeah, two standing ovations. Love that. across two, two games. games. So that's great. The Cardinals t- tweeted out the videos on Twitter saying like, "Thanks, Blue Jay fans." Like that's that's just a that's good for baseball. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, it was very interesting. I think Pujols was very gracious about it too. He was like, "Yeah, the I first, don't think he was expecting the first it, time he, he he almost looked like he was about tearing up a little bit." So. It was it's amazing. Nice. You go to a completely different country that you barely go to at all, yeah. and to get that re- level of reception, that level of respect from yeah. uh, a random fan base you have no connection to. <laughs> it's cool seeing that in his last amazing. season. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, but First no, ballot uh, Hall of Famer easily. Obviously, we we just but, talked about Gosman. He got hit around a little bit there yesterday. A little bit of bad luck too. But what can you what can you do? Is what it is. He's pitching better than his record indicates, and uh, again, he's not Jays, getting run support Jays, too. I think it's worth saying they either scored twenty-eight runs or one. So, Gossman uh, hasn't really gotten a tremendous amount of run support this season. No, you take out the twenty-eight runs from last week, and it's been yeah. a lot of a lot of twos and threes at most. So, uh, just an interesting food for thought. Thought we talked about Barrios. I think it was the last time. Yeah, and I talked about how the team's record is fourteen and five. When Barrio starts, mm-hmm. although I believe now it's fifteen and five, uh, but Gossman, uh, it's almost like the opposite because yeah. Barrios gets the run support that gets him out of the jam. It's really, really weird. <laughs> it's because it's because of the shift. It's because the team just doesn't deliver on offense when he pitches. Yeah, it's it's not even that they're not confident in his pitching because obviously they are. Um, 
for whatever reason, it's just a weird, it's a weird, very weird year for Gossman. He got snubbed to be an all-star too. Uh, and I'm a little salty about that. Justin, let's preview uh, the upcoming series against the Detroit Tigers. For sure. We've got four games against Detroit starting this evening, which as the time this episode, the game starts in just over two hours from now. Uh, oh. The first two games are both 7.07 p.m. starts. First game features the return of the GOAT. Yusei Kikuchi is back <laughs> against Tyler Alexander. It's a battle of lefties, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Always a fun time. Kikuchi is coming off of a decent rehab outing in Buffalo, and hopefully he can figure his shit out, or it's going to be a Calling long... it decent is very generous of you. While it was a shutout, he threw a lot of walks. Yeah, it is what it is. It's going to be Kikuchi. As yeah, long as he's not giving up dingers, well, hopefully he can get enough strikeouts and balls in play, but we'll see what happens. Detroit's not the best team in baseball, so it's going to be a favorable matchup for him at least. Uh, tomorrow night, the Jays get Brian Garcia, who has no stats this year. And frankly, I'm way too lazy to look up if it's his big late debut or not. If it is, well, the Jays will probably get no hit because that's just how it goes. Yeah. Alec Manoa is on the mound of the Jays. He is currently 11-4 and four with a 2-2-4 ERA and 110 strikeouts. He's having an insanely great year. Uh, he's now a, a, a more of a, a known commodity around baseball thanks to his awesome outing at the All-Star game, too. Uh, nice to see him. He, I think he, him and Carlos Rodon, I believe, are tied for the most quality starts this year. I think they both have about 16 or something like that apiece. Both of them are probably have somewhat of an inside track on the Cy Young. I wouldn't say Mano is the favorite. No, but, but he's definitely he is, in there. I would say he is definitely top three. Yeah. And the guy at number two is the guy who pitches on Saturday, Ross Stripling, because he's just having an insane year. <laughs> I kid, of course, but Ross is having an amazing year, and he's going to go up against... I believe was it was it 2018 opening day starter Drew Hutchison something like that. I do not want to get into another argument about <laughs> the merits of Drew Hutchinson. Yeah. Uh, if you recall, he is a former Toronto Blue Jay. He was yeah. with the Jays in 2012 and 2014 okay. to 2016. Must have been like 2014. Uh, he, he was the opening day starter one of those years. He was the opening day starter in 2015. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that year he had a great season. And if, well, that's, I'm bearing the lead. A, a tolerable bit. season. He had a good season where <laughs> he he was 13 and 5, but his ERA was 5.57. The FIP was 4.42, so it was pretty significant bad luck. Wasn't striking guys out a lot, but he wasn't walking a lot. He gave up a lot of home runs. The BABIP against him was 343, 1.4 war. Whatever, I would take that. If if someone told me, Patrick, uh, you had a great year where you threw 150 innings and you went 13-5, and five, I'd be like, yeah, I'd take that. That's not bad. He's improved, though, since we traded him. Um, this year, he's 4.84 ERA with 29 strikeouts on a really bad Detroit Tigers team. Can you blame them for being one and four? No, but no, I also I can blame Detroit for being in a situation where they need him on their team at all. <laughs> well, he's brought the home runs down over the last two seasons, yeah. uh, all the way up to, I think it was in 2016 before he got dealt. It was 19.4% this year, just 7.3. So he's learning. Uh, he's not giving up as many home runs and he's not giving up as many hits. Uh, the FIP is still around 4.4. I, I, I think, I mean, and at 31, I think he's a serviceable starter. I just don't think he would have a job on a team no. that is above 500. No. no, no chance, no shot. And that um, is uh, Saturday's game. And then Sunday, obviously, is Junior Jays Day. Junior Jays Sundays. And Yay. it's Jose Barrios on the mound once again. Coming off of a okay start. Against the Cardinals, got en- yeah. did enough to that the team was able to win that game. He's up against right-hander Garrett Hill. I know who one of these pitchers is for Detroit, and it's Drew Hutchison. The other three, I have no idea who they are. Yeah. And frankly, I'm too afraid to ask. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time this this episode, the Jays are up twelve to nothing against the Tigers tonight. That'd be great. And yeah, let us know your thoughts on Patrick's crazy trades. 
stupid ass trades. I saw another one on on Twitter last night, or I just saw a tweet that's from yesterday. It was, um, I think it's Jimenez as a reliever for Detroit. Soto, it's Joe him Joe Jimenez, Greg Soto, and uh, Turk Skubal for Gab Moreno. It's the same trade, and mm-hmm. it's a lot closer in value. It's uh, sixty nine point nine to sixty point two. So. The Jays is still overpaying because Moreno is worth so much right now, but it's interesting. But can uh, we? Okay. I, we we have fun on this show. Yes. My trade's not a serious one. Okay, we're just oh, it's super fun serious, here. Patrick. It's not. It it wasn't very. I know it's not very good. Um, but these are players that I want, and I think we have to be willing to part with some of our prospects. We can't prospect. Hug. We can't if be huggers now. If we we are serious about uh competing we're gonna have to give up some players that we don't want to right so suck it up (laughs) (laughs) fair enough um but yeah let let us know what your crazy trades are too if you have someone on twitter send us a screenshot of the trade analyzer site we'll make fun of it on our next episode maybe or hopefully it comes true That'd be nice too. Uh, that Kevin Gosman thread is still live. Let me know your thoughts on that. I'm curious to know if anyone else has any differing viewpoints from me. Uh, but follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Website is bfmdpodcast.com. We are on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, which apparently is a thing, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember to leave us a review, five stars or less. That's that's it for us today. For Patrick out in Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon. We'll see you after the series of the Tigers. Ah!